This is an Area Code podcast. Grief is experienced in a non-linear fashion. It is having a nice chat with somebody about death one moment, and then the next moment, murdering a guy who you think was connected (laughs) to the death of your son because you're still so unbearably, desperately angry that this unjust thing happened. And then in the next scene, maybe you're like helping somebody find their dog that they don't know what happened to it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Video Game Feelings. Today's a conversation I'm actually pretty excited about. I've been reading Maddie Myers for a while now. She's written for both Kotaku and Polygon. She is now deputy editor for Polygon. Maybe more importantly for this audience, the co-host of two podcasts, Triple Click and The Mutant Ages. Triple Click is a podcast I listen to regularly with Kirk Hamilton, a previous guest, and Jason Schreier. They really take a a pretty accessible approach to talking about video games, which is something I really appreciate. Maddie's involvement in the video game journalism world over the last several years has resulted in her building a lot of relationships, including a relationship with the late Mike Fahey. That's someone who came up in our conversation, particularly because uh, Maddie uh, brought up concepts of grief and um, how she explores grief in video games. This was a conversation I did not expect when I had her on to the podcast, but was really glad we got to have. I think you're going to enjoy it, whether or not you're thinking a lot about grief right now. I think it'll change the way you see certain video games and the way you think about them. Here is my conversation with Maddie Myers. I'm going to say a lot of problematic stuff, but keep it in because I stand by it. I love that. I was going to say about X-Men. X-Men is like my favorite. It's the best. I like grew up reading Age of the Apocalypse and stuff like back in the day. It's all the good Um, stuff. (laughs) I don't understand why they're not making movies about X-Men. And every now and then I'll think it's about to happen. they're trying to. They keep being about to. And they've been about to ever since that Fox acquisition. And boy, oh boy, is it a long wait. Anyway, that's that's mainly what I get into on my other podcast. <laughs> it's mainly just, just like Professor X and Doctor Strange just, like got me so excited, and then they just did they kill him? They the killed him. The little X Men theme they play, the little like. Greatest song of all time. This is going well already. I'm enjoying this. Well, yeah, we were talking about X-Men, which is why we're here. X-Men Feelings, um, the podcast. I do always tell people that, I know you already said you're going to say problematic things and keep them in, but if you do say anything <laughs> that you regret. Anything that I'm like, that wasn't quite what I meant. I'll like I'm that. happy to delete stuff. Um, I don't consider myself like a hardcore journalist. I mean, yeah. there's sort of circumstances where it's tit for tat. Where you're like, yeah. well, okay, I'll take it out this time, but you got to give me a second interview where we talk about it. I've, I've done things like that before. Right. Yeah. I think if I was interviewing like the president or something, someone who was powerful, like Bobby Kotick. Yeah, if, if, you're, interviewing, show, if you're interviewing would Bobby, not which he, he is going to be on the show any day. I am holding yeah. out for that Bobby Kotick. What does he feel? <laughs> What is he feeling? It would be. I feel guilty. That's what it was. I feel guilty and full of shame. Leave all this in the show because your (laughs) listeners, they want to know behind the scenes. They want to know the process. And also, like, does Bobby Kotick play video games? Do you ever wonder about that? That is such a great question. Uh, Yeah. I wonder that, first of all. Does he play them? I mean, I'm sure he has played them because everybody has at this point unless you mm-hmm. are amish which is totally fine you know everybody's played like solitaire on their phone um he's a candy crust whale i'm sure he is. he is but it's also like <laughs> is he out here playing gta is he playing halo infinite like does he have sort of opinions on modern day games or games of of your i don't know and does he does don't he have think, feelings like, about definitely them? not he's definitely not it's kind of weird though right to be so guy. so high up in the industry but you aren't yeah. really interested in what you sell i mean i guess it's like that's a thing do you I think that's do you eat mcdonald's if you're a ceo of mcdonald's probably probably you wouldn't that why would you but also i think you i think ceo do you of mcdonald's not? eats mcdonald's yeah but i I think that there is a type I'm of I'm saying video games just... and McDonald's, by the way. I'm I'm equating those two things. <laughs> Go on. I think there's a type of CEO that does not 
care about the company, the yeah. industry that they're in, and and it's more about streamlining and yeah, just running an organization. I think uh-huh. that's a thing. They just love managing, and that's who yeah. Bobby is. <laughs> he just, just love, loves helping people love succeed, care people. mentoring people, and just seeing seeing things through. He loves it. It's probably happening in GameStop. Yeah. I think. Probably. I, yeah. Those assistant That's managers at GameStop everywhere, they're there because they really want to manage they people the and they don't care about video games. I, th- I say yeah. that's true of every GameStop I've ever been to. <laughs> I was talking about the CEO, though. <laughs> the CEO. It's not that he wants to manage people, he wants to run a company. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of interesting differentiation between whether you're managing people and you like managing them or you like managing a company or whether you actually like the product. I actually feel like that is a problem that journalists run into a lot where Mm -hmm. they like, they like the games too much, Mm -hmm. but they maybe don't like writing very much or editing or managing for that matter. Yes. I totally agree. I'm sorry, I'm bringing a so, lot of energy into this show that I don't know if you want there. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. In fact, it's the perfect kind of energy to bring us into our next question, our first question that I always ask, which is, what video game have you been playing lately, and how has it made you feel? Mm-hmm. I mean, how I was going to do a feel? real serious pick, so I, I've got this intense energy, and it doesn't fit with my pick. But I've been playing one of my favorite video games ever, which is Assassin's Creed Origins. And I've just been replaying it. Uh Uh-huh. And this game makes me feel, I don't want to say sad. I'm going to go with grief because this is a game about grief. But grief can also be funny and poignant and validating and maybe even something that makes you happy eventually when you're remembering somebody that you loved who died. So for people who don't know uh, what this game's about, it is about ancient aliens and magic and an assassin order that spans generations. And I don't actually care about any of that stuff. I know there are people Mm -hmm. out there who do. I think my co-host on Triple Click, Kirk Hamilton, is one of them. He also (laughs) explained all the destiny lore to me one time, and I forgot it almost as soon as the words came out of his mouth. Like, as he was talking, I was forgetting it. I can't keep things like that in my brain. But I, I love a character drama. I love ensemble casts or or even just a game that is really putting you in the shoes of a very specific person and you don't have to invent somebody like Mass Effect style. It's like, no, you're playing as Bayek in this game. You're a dad whose son died because of this sort of mysterious, inexplicable magic ceremony in which his son was sacrificed. And at the outside, outside of the game, he doesn't really know why that happened. He knows there's this magical order of, he thinks it's just four or five people at first who performed this ceremony and killed his son. And actually yeah. the way that his son dies, is this happens quite early in the game that they show this flashback, by the way, if people want to play it, this is not a spoiler, this is the premise. Um, yeah. the, the ceremony happens and Bayek tries to intervene and prevent his son from being killed, but in him, Bayek, trying to stab one of the participants in the ceremony, that participant like redirects his knife and and Bayek stabs his own son. I mean, I would not uh-huh. classify it as his fault, but of course he's haunted by this because his son is like eight. He's like a little tiny kid. And you yeah. have all these incredible moments where Bayek is remembering times he yelled at his son and being like, oh, I feel terrible mm. about that now. Or times that he and his son were looking up at the constellations and discovering them together, or he was learning things from his son and, and vice versa. And it's just incredible. It's not even just a cutscene thing. There are a lot of things in this game that just serve as sort of exploratory reminders of what it's like to grieve somebody or grieve yeah. an event. Uh, where you're just kind of going around the game and you see children everywhere because, you know, this this is a game that takes place in ancient Egypt. There's a whole lot of different people there, a very metropolitan city at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this one kid who's a merchant. 
He's one of my favorite quest givers. He's like a little eight-year-old and he's like, I'm very well-traveled actually. And I know right. everything about this part of the world. And Bayek will often try to get information from him and be like, so how exactly did you enter into this line of work? And the kid will just be like, well, it's because I'm so smart. It's just uh -huh. like, you never really know what's up with this kid. Like, is he an orphan? Like, how did he become a merchant? And he gives you a lot of great quests that you can like get cool armor, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me what the rewards are. I just really enjoy this storyline with this kid. And Bayek also always talks to kids the way I try to talk to kids, which is like, I remember when I was a kid feeling very condescended to when adults would be like, now who's your dolly? Why don't you tell me about that? And it's just like, why are you doing a voice right now? Like Bayek doesn't yeah. do a voice with kids. He just treats them like the adults that they want to be treated as. And uh -huh. But the throughout, you, the player, are like, damn, this is probably like reminding him of his son everywhere he goes. And, oh, interesting, yeah. And you just are always remembering that. And I don't know, it's very effective. I mean, in playing it, I, of course, I've known people who died very recently. Uh, my mm. coworker, Mike Fahey, died. And so mm. I've been thinking about him a lot. And remembering him and remembering like, oh, games he liked and I'll see things and be like, oh, this reminds me of him. But it can also be joyful to have new experiences and be mm. like, oh, I learned something from this person that I knew and I'm grateful for the time that I had with them. And I think sometimes games don't depict that very well. Yeah. When they're depicting grief, they won't necessarily include the parts of it that are also poignantly joyful, where you're like, well, I've lost the chance to have this experience with my son because he's dead, but my experiences with him allow me to understand kids of that age better and I can talk to them in a way that they really get. So I'm still glad I had a son, or this is all the stuff I'm putting onto Bayek in these moments. The game doesn't yeah. give me this, but I yeah. imagine that. So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 the main reason I like the game. Why do you think games aren't aren't typically doing that? I don't know, cause games writing's bad. I mean, we can just say that, right? <laughs> like it's not sure. it's it's not it's not to call out The Last of Us, but let's get into it. So that's a game <laughs> where <laughs> you play as a dad and yeah. you lose your kid. It's another situation where that's the premise of game one. So I don't feel like it's a big. Spoiler to say Joel's daughter dies very early on in, in the very first yeah. game. And then yeah. he has sort of a father-daughter surrogate relationship with Ellie, who's this young girl who he meets in circumstances I guess I won't reveal. Somebody wants to play that game, newly remastered for the PS5 and PC. <laughs> uh, but, but part of why that game never really worked for me at the time, even though it's also a dad game, it's also about grief, I just felt like it was so on the nose yeah. at every possible turn. It's like, yeah, your kid dies and it felt so cloying and so like, okay, hurry up and feel bad now. And I, I'm not sure what it is about AC Origins that does it differently, but I guess I would say it's the restraint. Like it's not mm. that Bayek is constantly moody and grieving and in the way that Joel was. And it's not that over time he comes to know these children elsewhere in his life and is like, actually I can have great relationships that can even be a mentorship relationship or a parental relationship with other people in my life, including children. And that can be, a source of pain because I'm remembering yeah. my kid, but it can also be rewarding. And instead, Joel always seems like he's in a bad mood and like always seems <laughs> yeah. kind of selfish and like reluctant to grow as a person. And yeah. Bayek just seems like a complicated guy to me. Like sometimes he does seem selfish and like he's reluctant to grow as a person and like he's in a bad mood. Yeah. And sometimes he's laughing it up. And that is what life is. Like you're in yeah. a different mood at different times and I wonder, it's a journey. I, w I wonder if one of the reasons games are bad at this is because so often grief has to like convert itself very quickly into feelings of vengeance. Yes. And like you have to get yourself to the, the, the action verb of killing yeah. very quickly. Uh huh. And so what strikes me about Assassin's Creed from the very first moment you started describing it, I've played like 
two hours of this game you're describing. Mm -hmm. um, and it weirdly didn't occur to me that it was about grief, which is going to drastically alter the way that I play this game. You should play more of this it, game. in my opinion. But yeah, I, I plan to. One of the things that strikes me, though, is that like it is the space that you're given. Like Assassin's Creed from beginning to end, it's a weird game because it's almost like it creates allowances for itself with the audience by by making it about magic weirdness yeah you can actually just make a historical yeah story uh -huh. you know uh-huh and by by giving yourself this big open world and all of this space you can actually create a, a lot of opportunities for restraint like opportunities for like just having a relationship with a kid that does it runs a market and is precocious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can have a lot of really little stories as yeah. opposed to a much more quote unquote cinematic linear experience, <laughs> which I think games often fall into the trap of believing that that's the best way to tell a story. And I totally yeah. get why movies are freaking awesome. <laughs> uh -huh. and TV shows, heard of them? Yeah. Y you ever read a book? We love a linear experience, folks. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't love turning the page and then there's the next bit of story? And games yeah. aren't that way. You can play stuff out of order. And even replaying Assassin's Creed Origins, the first time I played, I remember certain side quests that I really loved. And I haven't found them yet, but I have played parts that I don't remember. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm playing the side mm -hmm. quest in a different order and, and I'm like yeah. also playing one and being like, oh, I didn't quite remember this one because that's what the experience is of playing a game is that things are slightly out of order and it's not quite how you remembered it because you're doing it differently now. And that can actually be a boon. That can be an amazing storytelling technique, especially for something like grief because yeah. it is experienced in a non-linear fashion. It is yeah. having a nice chat with somebody about death one moment, and then the next moment, murdering a guy who you think was connected <laughs> to the death of your son because you're still so unbearably, desperately angry that this unjust yeah. thing happened. And then in the next yeah. scene, maybe you're like helping somebody find their dog that they don't know what happened to it. And like, that's just like what that game is. You're just walking around, you're helping people with mundane problems, and then you're also on a murderous revenge arc. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But it's not like the murderous revenge arc is every single thing you do, which is very Last of Us, where it just consumes you. Right. It's like sometimes you just read a poem, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm I'm curious if like that. So you mentioned your your friend and colleague died, and I'm very sorry about that. It's been an interesting experience for me because I just for some reason was never hyper aware of him. Mm -hmm. Um but I think Kotaku the other day, like, posted a few of his stories. And before I realized, like, I think Patricia, the editor-in-chief there, posted a tweet that was just a screen cap of the site. And before I realized what it was, I was like, what they're doing right now is amazing. Like, I'm a huge fan of all of these stories. This is incredible. And I realized that it was all Mike, by Mike. And I was, yeah. I was both like very enlightened, lightened, but also just sad. That was just like a really sad experience to go, oh, the person responsible for that is not available anymore, yeah. <laughs> which is really sad. It is. Um, but also he is available at the same time in the sense mm -hmm. that there is this huge record of every yeah. goofy ass thought in his brain. <laughs> he was such a, <laughs> such a blogger of the old kind in the Gawker yeah. style. Like he truly yeah. was the guy who's like, ah, I'm just gonna quickly put that up on the site. Like it's like a form of blogging that almost isn't even cool anymore. But it does There's mean like <laughs> that you kind of get the experience of what it was like to have a chat with Fahey if you read his stuff. Cause you're just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. That's right. Like, That's am... right. Like there's a game box stuck on my ceiling for five years or something. Yeah. It was one of the titles. Yeah, because he killed a spider up there and it just kind of like congealed <laughs> and now it's glued there somehow. And I don't know how that box never fell down. That was a spider that was made out of glue. And I don't know how that happened. But it's true. I mean, that box is still there as far as I know. Yeah, and I just love that that as a video game story. Yeah, um, I mean, makes me so he would, happy. He That's would real. write a lot about just the realities of his life. I uh -huh, mean, uh -huh. 
even outside of the fact that he um, lost the use of his legs near the end, he would write about mm. just being paralyzed from the chest down and what that meant mm. for playing games and living in the world. Yeah. But he would also yeah. just write about foods he liked and just yeah. those things would also, like having a human body that plays a video game and what that experience meant to being a fictional virtual person in that world, like he would include that, the human body of it all. And I always thought that was an interesting way to think about it. Like we're people and we're playing mm -hmm. these games and that relationship is part of everything that games are. Yeah. So I, I, I think what I wanted to ask was like, are you playing this game in particular more because you're going through this experience? Um, or well, are you finding it more helpful? Like, how is how are those two interacting? I mean, they're interacting now because today I was thinking about that and being like, it is interesting that I happen to be playing this game now. But I actually started replaying it before he died. So it's more of mm -hmm. just an unusual coincidence. But yeah. it's also true that when I have ever played it in the past, I'm usually thinking about grief or experiences that I've had like that. Because mm -hmm. I, I think the game is so good at what it's doing that you can't help but have that experience with it, which I think is why it's such a powerful piece of art. Because yeah. even if you didn't have somebody die recently, or perhaps you haven't experienced death that close and you're just thinking of someone you used to know that you don't talk to anymore or had a falling out with, or I mean, those experiences can be just as traumatic, a breakup, divorce, etc. Yeah, The game is so good at depicting that wave of emotions where you'll have moments that you're happy and moments that you're so desperately sad. And I don't know, I just think an open world game is so gifted at portraying that. But yeah, I mean, you asked yeah. if it's helping me. I, I feel like that gets at a larger thing that I think about a lot with games and that I was thinking about a lot heading into this conversation. I was on a different podcast called Depression Mode which is about depression. Uh -huh. And I- I didn't know you were on that. I have yeah, to listen to that. I love it that It was podcast, a fun but. episode. Also, I recommend the show anyway. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And I was really honored they asked me to be on to talk about depression in video games, which is a very uh -huh. common thing. And I have depression- Relevant to our interests Of course, well. of course. And, yeah. and I have depression and I take antidepressants mm -hmm. and I've been mm -hmm. in and out of therapy for uh, since I was 14. And I, you know, it's, it's all very, yeah familiar to me, but I, I've also gone really up and down about whether I think video games help me in those times. Yeah. And I guess I'll say the first time I played Assassin's Creed Origins, it was right after I'd lost my job. <laughs> so great mm. time to play a video game, a huge video game. <laughs> Am I right, folks? I mean, universally true, <laughs> kinda, yes. That is kinda, when you yeah. get into a video game. Yeah, but- There's something about like, I can't <laughs> accomplish anything anywhere else. Yep. I'm now going to accomplish all the video game things and feel yeah. until another person walks in the room and makes me understand the absurdity of this, it's going to be great. Ah, but see, I lived alone. So that would never Beautiful. occur. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Ideal situation. It was yeah. ideal. Um, it was shortly after the game had come out, but it had just gone on sale for E3 that year. And then I got mm -hmm. laid off right after E3. So it was like I bought the game on sale so I could buy it guilt free because I still had an income at that time and like yeah. install it and be like, I'll play this at some point. Everybody says AC Origins is a great game. And then the site I was working for at the time, mm -hmm. Compete, it was an esports site at Kotaku and Deadspin, it got closed. Mm -hmm. right after E3 ended. And then I ended up getting rehired back to Kotaku. But there was like this weird two week period where I was basically told like, we're letting you go at the end of the month. So I was like still on the payroll for a couple weeks, but like Steven yeah. Chattel, my boss, and was kind of like, you don't really need to do anything. Like it's this fucking sucks. <laughs> that's so nice. You know what I that's mean a, though? Where it's like when thing, you have yeah. to lay somebody off and you're like, we can pay you for a couple more weeks and you can like download all your emails and stuff. But like, yeah. Nobody's expecting you to file any stories because right. we're assuming you're depressed. So, and also probably looking for jobs. So I was doing yeah. those things, you know, I was frantically emailing people and being like, uh, yeah. do you need me to write about esports or really anything? So in between uh -huh. that, I was, I was playing Assassin's Creed Origins. And I think when I've had games like that, that I just so happened to play during a time when I was extremely blue and hopeless 
and if the game is also about that in some way, it's like a sense memory thing happens where you just love that game even more than you mm. perhaps ever otherwise would. And like, is yeah. this game even that good? Possibly not. But it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> because for me, yeah. it's like, it just feels great because it's that mix of both the basking in how sad you feel, like when you listen to a really sad album after a breakup and you're like, oh, I'm really feeling it right now. It like feels yes, yeah. better to listen to that sad music during that moment because you're going through it. That game's like that for me. So in a way, yeah, it maybe is helping me, but also maybe it's yeah. not. Maybe it's making it worse. I don't know. I, I, why would it make it worse? Why is that even a possibility, you think? Well, I mean, I think we all know why, but... But I'll oh, spell because it out. Video games. <laughs> oh, right. because it's completely pointless and you might have that moment of waking up and being like, well, I just did 17 side quests in this game and I still don't have a job. <laughs> and right. that reality is pressing down upon me every day and I need to buy groceries, but how much money is left in my savings account exactly? And should I be concerned and should I not keep playing this video game? Because it's making me yeah. feel better in the short term, but in the long term, I maybe haven't taken a shower in five days. So, I mean, there's all that happening. And I, I have had moments in my life where I played a game to excess, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed, starting with Origins in particular, became games that were extremely pleasurable to play to excess. Like, I am fully yeah. aware that Origins is like the first in a line of Assassin's Creeds that reward your brain in a very particular way that has nothing to do with the story's themes and has a lot more to do with that checking things off the list dopamine rush you get when you do the little ticky box, but yeah. you're not checking off like do the dishes or do your laundry. You're checking off like get that cool chest you saw on a ledge really far away and like yeah. discover all the constellations in the sky and you know, yeah. other yeah. other completely pointless activities that you can do that may or may not actually give you more joy than that three seconds of seeing it get ticked off the list. Right. I'm curious about something because I relate to a lot of what you said about mental health. Like I've also struggled with depression and anxiety. The only difference is you've had a several years head start, maybe a decade or two. It's not a contest, but sure. Um, no, I'm way ahead of winning. you. I am winning and I'm way, <laughs> way higher level than you, but sure, I can yeah. deign to listen to your experiences. <laughs> uh, all of that is to say, my experiences with video games when I'm depressed is that I have no interest. Ooh, in that it. has also happened to me. Yeah, yeah. in Anhedonia, yeah. where nothing is pleasurable. Have you ever heard this oh, word before? Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. So, that so happens you to know, me a lot. You That's know pretty word, much my um, tell. If I can't come up with anything I want to do, because there are a lot of things I want to do in life. And the minute none of those things appeal to me, I'm like, oh, depression I think I is might here. Be yeah, it's um yeah. it's it's A-N, the, the prefix A-N, like away from, and then hedonia, like hedonistic. Hed yeah, hedonia. That makes sense. So it no yeah, pleasure. I, I yeah. have I've certainly experienced anhedonia as part of depression and that's always really scary especially when food yes. doesn't taste yeah. good anymore that's one of my my tells <laughs> right. it's like oh things are really bad because everything kind of tastes like sand uh -huh. <laughs> but that's either depression or COVID. <laughs> yeah yeah which those <laughs> things have a lot of weird similar symptoms um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah i i know exactly what you're saying and that has happened but i feel like there is also this space at least for me and maybe doesn't happen to you where it's not anhedonia levels of depression but it's like getting bad and mm -hmm. i'm just kind of blue that's the danger zone for video game yeah. addiction or unhealthy behaviors because it's like this is making me feel kind of normal but it's a trick yeah it's not real normal it's just making me feel kind of normal for for a little bit but it's also you maybe more good than me. it's keeping you alive yeah. i guess until you have well, the strength the to deal with whatever's going on Here's my experience. So maybe one difference is I'm not very in touch with my emotions. Oh, is that why you're doing this show? Yeah, it's one of the reasons. Um, Great. I love talking and writing about emotions, but in the <laughs> but moment. having I'm them sucks. <laughs> feeling them. I have them, right? Uh, I have them. Uh -huh. I don't feel them. I can't talk about them very well. I see. I see. Okay. And so one of the things that that means is that I don't realize I'm depressed until it has gotten 
very, very bad. Mm. And that is that. Yep. Uh, anhedonia. <laughs> thank you, anhedonia <laughs> stage. I'm going to learn that. And I have a, a thesis in my brain that I'm interested for you to speak into, which is, is it possible that playing video games can stave that off by continuing to make you feel things like motivation and and pleasure yeah. and like i don't know i mean i guess like sometimes depression can come from like not doing healthy things like talking to friends mm-hmm. and that can come from playing too many video games there's probably a lot of <laughs> well yeah i mean anyway. i guess it depends and i i don't know that the studies on this have really answered your question in a good way i think because yeah. there are two ways it can go i think that playing video games can lead you further into the spiral yeah. And it can take you out of it. And I'm not sure if the kind of game matters, as long as it's something that produces uh, either a facsimile of the feelings that you remember having before, Mm -hmm. or actually produces the real feelings of achievement in you that make you feel, oh, I achieved something in this game. Maybe that makes me feel like I can get up and walk around the block in real life. And I feel like I've had both experiences where I've played a game and I've been like, this is just, me aiding and abetting the spiral. I'm just further entering the spiral by continuing to play this. Right, right. And I've also had the experience of being like, this game is helping me get through really hard times where I need to be slightly stepped outside of my brain and in Samus Aran's visor for a second. And that makes it easier for me to go back into my brain. It's the same reason why I like doing theater as a kid. I don't really so much as an adult, but as a depressed kid, I was like, I just want to be somebody else for a second. Being me is sucking. Yes, <laughs> Can yes, I do yeah. something else? And of course you never really are doing something else. Even when you're yeah. desperately pretending to be somebody else, you so are you, unfortunately. But you get to practice stepping outside your own brain and mm-hmm. looking at it from another vantage point. Right. And right. I think that's good practice no matter what, as long as you yeah. aren't spending too long it's that hindsight effect right where all acting is like in hindsight how would this person feel whether they right recognize that they feel that way or not and applying that to playing video games is a really interesting idea where that is you know one of the questions i had is what's the difference between watching and playing Mm -hmm. grief yeah and that's the difference right is you're getting to play that role yeah you get to be that person and that again is why i don't know i have such an attachment and compassion to bayek even though he's not even a real guy but i feel like i've been him and so i feel like i know him very well even though i haven't Mm. experienced anything close to his life i'm not a cool magical assassin in ancient egypt who works for cleopatra sometimes i mean that'd be sick (laughs) but unfortunately that's not my life and also fortunately because his life's pretty terrible uh but as a video game protagonist great stuff and i (laughs) and i feel like i know him very well but it's also just a different way of processing something very sad where it's like okay i'm really upset that i lost my job and i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life but i'm experiencing somebody else working through something very difficult and maybe not doing aces at it, but I'm just experiencing somebody else doing it. And what does that tell me about myself? And does it make it easier to go back into my own body and figure out what I'm going to do? I mean, in that case, it did. In that case, I would say it did help me a lot. And then when I got hired back at Kotaku, Stephen may have regretted it because I immediately wrote six blog posts about AC Origins and was like, this is all I want to write about. <laughs> and he was like, that game's like a year old. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, boss, I got one idea and it's this. He's like, wait, no, wait, <laughs> wait, um... wait. Uh, should I have left you laid off? He thought to himself in the mirror every morning. Or he probably thought, oh, she really did need this job. <laughs> He's probably like, oh my God, she's relating to Bayek? That guy is really sad. Damn. That's, dark, yeah. <laughs> That's some yeah. dark shit. I mean, it does, I mean, no, no clear causal relationship between video games and violence and all of those disclaimers, but. But I did go on a revenge does, spree. <laughs> it does make you think if you're grieving and you play Assassin's Creed versus you're grieving and you play fucking doom or something which well, i've been known to do. i yeah i mean i think that's a different and also equally valid choice though 
because playing Doom. I think you're right. Is, Doom was a bad example. Maybe awesome. I actually think Last of Us might be a worse example. Well, because Last of Us I, is about the very relatable revenge thing. Yes. Doom is like pure catharsis. Yes. Like yes. In, an, in a fantastical way. Yeah. Doom lets you have the full power fantasy. So I feel like that reminds me of my other classic story that I always tell because everybody's always like, oh my God, Maddie's so obsessed with the Metroid, why? And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I got dumped when I was 21 and mm -hmm. it was like the only serious relationship I'd ever been in in my life. Mm -hmm. And because I, I was so cool in high school, you know, just beating them off with a stick. No, I was a virgin. <laughs> Eventually I got to date one person <laughs> in college. Uh, but then, you know, I got dumped and I was once again living alone and I played all the Metroid games. And in that scenario, it was like your Doom example where Samus is so freaking badass. Like, yes, bad shit happens to her at the beginning of every game and in her life. She loses her parents, mm -hmm. etc., mm -hmm. and then loses her mm -hmm. surrogate parents. But she's badass and she's fucking pew pew like rolling around in a ball and then getting jump boots and wall jumping around and killing all the aliens it's like yeah. it's very cathartic to play those games and be just experiencing what it's like to be samus errant for a while and being like wow if she can do it then how hard is my life really it's not that bad yeah that's that's a good yes. feeling does it have to be like believable though? No, like, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I feel like even there are probably people who love The Last of Us way more than I do mm -hmm. because maybe they just played it at a time when they really needed it, you know? And that's why yeah. I try to be compassionate yeah. even when I'm making fun of games that I personally didn't vibe with at all. Sure. I try to yeah. also be like, well, games are so immersive to use a cliched word. <laughs> that you are imagining yourself in that scenario at every moment. And if that works for you, then that's gonna be a memory you have forever of feeling like you did that. And that's gonna be yeah. so meaningful to you in a way that I can't understand because maybe I tried it and I was like, I'm trying to walk in these shoes and they don't fit right, so I'm getting out. But I can understand why somebody else would really dig it, so I try to I, try, I, I don't even know if we can come up with a game that's a bad example, to be honest, because I feel like any game we could come up with here, there might be somebody who's like, that actually really hit the spot for me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, it's interesting. Um, I would spend the whole episode uh, trying to do that, mm -hmm. but probably would just make people mad. Probably, because there'd be somebody who's like, uh, well, okay, EverQuest, notoriously addictive, but for me, it actually <sighs> helped me in these ways. And The I, one that popped in my head was Grand Theft Auto. That's sure. the one that popped in my head which feels like a sort of cavalierly made mm -hmm. game. I don't know if that's the right word, but one that was made with a lot, a lot of Yeah, He's sort of thought. embracing the chaos of the world, I think, yeah. and turning it up a notch and being like, what if you could not only enjoy that chaos, but cause it yourself as much as possible? Mm -hmm. Which you could see valid reasons for that. Yeah, um, but I, I also think that there is a, a certain kind of person who plays that and you watch them over their shoulder and you're a little worried about them <laughs> do you know what i'm saying but i feel like that yes. i feel that way about a lot of games it's not just a gg well you thing. need to know that it's a contrast to their personality and not an extension of it yes um the person i think of i think it was i used to i, I just did this thing which i rec I highly recommend which everyone do is go back and watch all of the best of giant bomb videos yeah. just all in a row <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so well, a pattern starts emerging where I think it was either Drew or Vinny turns into a total nightmare monster in open world games, uh -huh. like really terrible things that he's doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a contrast to his actual personality. Plus, so there's actually enjoyable just to watch the additional layer of it's a video. So, like, he's also performing right. for the audience. That's true. So it, it, yeah. you aren't even really seeing what he's really like. I mean, not to just fully pull the curtain aside for you, but I feel like that's always the other thing that we forget when we're watching somebody True. play a game and they're a streamer or they're an entertainer. It's like, this has nothing yeah. to do with who they really are. But whatever I'm yeah. doing alone in my apartment in Assassin's Creed Origins, that is me. <laughs> that is really me. You know, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm more willing to push that theory into situations where I'm alone in my apartment. Like I'm a very like meta thinker. 
I often feel watched when I'm not, mm. you know, and I often feel like I'm performing when I'm not performing. Huh. Um, I'm taking screenshots of stuff. I'm doing whatever. Not that I ever use these things. Right. Right. I should. It would be great for our Twitter presence for video games, <laughs> but I just don't have the time huh. or inclination right now. But um, yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, I feel like I'm always performing and that applies to video games. I don't know. Hmm. No, I think video games encourage that feeling, probably because they are so mm -hmm. theatrical and the the screenshot and clip taking of it all. I, I have a friend, she just tapes every single video game she plays all the time. Mm. And then at any moment she can be like, oh, I was just doing this in a game four days ago. Here's a clip of it. And first of all, her rig is way better than mine. I can't even imagine <laughs> doing that with, with my computer. But the fact that she can do it is awesome because it's like, oh wow, you have a record of every night that you played everything and now you can show me a clip of something weird that happened that you remember. But it's also like, you're always on though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like in a way, mm -hmm. you're always on. And yeah. is that a weird way to live your life? I think maybe because I'm, I've been writing on the internet for so long, I treasure the moments when no one is listening. <laughs> and I'm like, finally right. I can just, chill I, yeah <laughs> i should i should well i don't know i mean um, podcasting is is in that weird zone too where you kind of forget that you're being recorded i think in the best of it and yeah. you try to really be yourself but then of course yeah. you're also at all times thinking well, i have to be entertaining Right. And I, I almost jokingly said, like, not true for this podcast when you were talking about this has all been rehearsed and because... we wrote all this ahead of time. And yeah, <laughs> well, I guess what, what I was going to say was like, I want this podcast to feel like genuinely we're just having a conversation. And I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's like my whole thing. And uh, I don't want people to feel like they're performing, but there is that reality. Yeah. I mean, for you, apparently it happens all the time. Yeah. 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 It's life. <laughs> That's life. life we is are all performing. I mean, all the world's you know, a Bo Burnham, stage. That, heard of it? Yeah, Shakespeare. Bo Burnham's stuff resonates with me a lot because he he articulates mm -hmm. this. Pretty he well, meant I to think, knock the water bottle are, over. Yeah, exactly. Art is a exactly. lie. Nothing is real. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think about that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if you watched the rehearsal. We've been talking about it a lot yes. on oh, Triple yes. I've been yeah. thinking about it since I saw it. It's also a very video gamey show in a certain way because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we're creating facsimiles of real life experiences and then we're acting it out. And does that say something about us or the person who created mm -hmm. the facsimile? And maybe yeah. both. And what are what does yeah. that interchange really mean? And is it healthy to evaluate your life in that way? Or is that just the only thing we can ever do because it's our attempt to <laughs> explain who we truly are to one another? Through art. And is it ethical within the structures of these things to hurt little kids? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm one of the people <laughs> you know? who thinks those little kids were in on it and that the whole show's fake, but that's me. That's me. That's a good actor <laughs> if he was in on I it. I mean, oh I have gosh. a three-year-old niece and she loves playing pretend and I could sort of picture her yeah. messing with adults in that type of way, but it depends on, <laughs> <It's so fun. laughs> it depends yeah. on what kinds of little three-year-olds you know and if they enjoy yeah. saying things to adults to get their way or not. <laughs> Or to get certain reaction yeah. that they're entertained by or not. But even that is kind of gamey because it's like in the way that a kid will just kind of try stuff in life and just be like, what happens if I do this? And what if I do it mm -hmm. six more times? Do I get the same result? Do I like it? Will I get a cookie if I do this? Like, that's kind of what we're all like playing games is just being like, well, what if I open this door? Is yeah. that allowed? Yeah. What happens then? Man. <laughs> What do you, what do you play games for? Like what what are you looking for when you're playing? Like why do you play games? You know, this answer has changed so much for me over the course of my life. I really mm -hmm. liked Kirk Kirk's answer was fun and I, I he was like, "Oh, it's changed for me over my life." But for me, it's changed in the sense that when I first started playing games, I really only played competitive video games, competitive multiplayer oh, video games. Yeah. And yeah. now that's it doesn't mean I never do it, but I that was my only thing for my teen years and most of the beginning of what college. What did you play mainly? played a lot of fighting games, and then I got really into Counter-Strike okay. as a teenager as well. And I yeah. just, that was all I wanted to do. And so for me, playing games was like 
seeing people playing fighting games as very young teenagers, so like middle school, 12, 13, and being like, I want to be really good at that. And, mm -hmm. and the point of games is to be good and to be better than other people because I felt I was still very depressed and felt useless, but I was like, this is going to be the way that I feel better because I wasn't yeah. good at sports. I was not very good at school. I didn't like school yeah. or authority, but I was like, what if I got really good at Marvel versus Capcom or like really mm -hmm. good at Super Smash Brothers Melee? Then what? Then people would respect me, I think was the end of that thought, but I luckily never got there because I think then I would have realized it was ludicrous. I just was like, what if I get really good? And they're like, wasn't a conclusion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I would just keep constantly trying to do that. And then I got pretty into Counter-Strike and I had a bunch of friends who were into Counter-Strike and we'd all play it together. And that was kind of good for me because it was just like a way to make friends and also just a way to, yeah be somebody else for a while in the same way that I was when I was doing plays in that time period. It's kind of a similar mm -hmm. zone. And then at some point, I started playing more single player games. I, I mean, I played Mario and Zelda as a child, but then yeah. my like peak gaming years as a teenager were competitive games. And then I like kind of returned to single player games as an adult uh, post-college. I had that Metroid experience that I described where like, honestly going uh -huh. into that, I hadn't played any Metroid games. I hadn't played a lot of single player games before that really. Uh, so that was kind of a turning point for me where I was like, oh, a personal sense of achievement can be really rewarding and awesome. And that's something that I had when I was a kid trying to play Tetris for as long as possible. But as an yeah. adult, I hadn't really experienced it. And of course games had changed so much by then. That I like, you know, in right. the early 2000s, I was like, damn, video games are out here doing some really cool stuff. And that was around when I started writing about games and being like, wow, games can offer so much more than just competition. I mean, this all sounds incredibly yep. basic, but when I was 19 years old, I was like, this is the smartest thing anyone's ever thought. And I'm yeah. thinking it and everyone needs games to know what I think. Roger yeah, Ebert, yeah. I'm talking to you, I said. <laughs> I, but, right. I, you know, of course, at that time, I thought every single thought I was having was just the most fascinating yeah, thing ever. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> of course, sure. yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my trajectory was that I was like, games are about getting really good at something and then you feel good about yourself because you're better than other people are. And then over yeah. time, I was like, no, they can actually be a way to learn who you are and a self-discovery yeah. experience and also a way to learn about other people. I mean, these days, that's why I play games is because I feel like I learn mm -hmm. something about myself and also other people when I play them in a way yeah. that other mediums, I mean, I love TV. I love television. <laughs> I love movies. Yeah. I love books. Yeah. I love comics. I, you know, the list goes on. But games, I don't know. They're freaking cool, man. I don't know. So I guess I play video games because they're cool. Is that an answer? <laughs> That's a great answer. I mean, I think you gave a lot of answers, right? All the under the umbrella of cool. Yeah, they're um, just really but cool. I think, yeah. They're cool. The, the, the playing them to learn about other people is interesting to me. I'm curious, like, what's an example of a game that's done that recently for you? Well... Oh, I don't want to talk about Sam Barlow's immortality. I was sort—I was secretly hoping you would, but we don't have we to. Can. We can. I just—I'm like mad at it because I wanted it to do more than it did. But yeah, I've seen—I've seen your tweets and <laughs> have um, you played it. So I have a deeply uncomfortable relationship with that game for a lot of different reasons. I'm so now I want like you very... to talk about it. So here's what I'll say. Okay. The thing that unnerves me about that game is, and I think you alluded to this in one of your tweets. Yeah, I was trying not to spoil it because, of course, there's so much to spoil. Yeah, it's like, I, where do you yeah. even begin? But Spoiler, there's nudity and <laughs> sexual content. the first, like, 10 seconds. But you're right. There's going to be some boobs in um, there. <laughs> Watch out. There's a lot of it. And the game seems to be about the complicated nature of that stuff on film. Does it, though? Because what? does it say anything about that? Would you right. say it does, or would you say it simply shows it? I'm, that is a very leading right. question. <laughs> but you can tell I what I think I the answer is. Yeah, I haven't finished it, and I'm not sure. Oh. Like, I don't oh. know that that stuff is such so delicate that I'm not sure. Like, as a see, people got really worked up about the children thing in rehearsal. Mm -hmm. I 
have kids and it would seem like a blip on the radar of like uh, of that kid yeah, that like kid's kids not have even meltdowns about stuff all the time yeah, yeah exactly it's like so not a big deal S- sexual discomfort lingers yes right and that is a situation I personally would not feel comfortable putting anyone in. And I'm a huge Barlow fan. I yeah. See, this is my first guy. Barlow game. So so yeah. oh, is it? so I feel like I'm not sure if I'm coming to it fairly because I'm like, well, this yeah. this I'm not really seeing in the context of his other work. But I'm also like, people should be able to play a game without that and enjoy it on its own terms. Yeah. I would say, but yeah. I would also say. In a way, I'm complimenting the game because I've thought about it so much for three weeks, even though most of the thoughts I've had have been disappointed that it doesn't do more because it has so many ideas. I feel that way all the time in games. Uh And I I like I hope people see it as a compliment (laughs) when I write stories that are like that, where I'm like, I just wanted this to be more. Like The Last of Us Part I, yeah. Two is is a great example of this. There's so much stuff in that game. It takes so many risks. I just don't think it's in service of anything. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. immortality kind of reminds me of that in some ways, even though it's themes and it's constructs, is it's totally different, but it's still mm-hmm. it's like about the idea of an artist and an auteur and the relationship between an actress and a director and also actor and director there's as a romantic mm-hmm. relationship versus a creative partnership and can those things intertwine in a way that's healthy or is it always unhealthy and then also this other larger question of the idea of a muse and the idea mm. of that sense spiritually of whether you're you're truly getting something out of the work you're making and whether other people are taking that away when they watch your work mm. and are they really getting anything out of it or is it just useless? And I mean, the fact that the game is raising those questions and those anxieties, I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm with you, Sam Barlow. I, I yeah, hear you yeah. on all this, but he doesn't, I mean, I've watched so much of it at this point. It's like three full-length yeah. movies. And then also it's like long. more yeah, extra stuff that I don't know if you've yeah. discovered yet, so I won't reveal like how you get it. But like there's all yeah. these other- Play with the controller. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, Play with the controller is our big tip, but it's here. like there's there's like multiple ways to watch each clip, I guess is kind of how I'll put it. And then that tells mm-hmm, you more mm-hmm. about what's really going on. And like the more yeah. I went down that rabbit hole, the less interested I was. Because at that point, it just becomes yeah. a puzzle box where it's like- oh, this is a metaphor for this. This is a metaphor for this. But what does this mean? Oh, this character is actually this other character. And it's like, it becomes a freaking five things you never really noticed about the Dark Knight YouTube video. And it's like, that's not why I'm here, man. Like, you can just say something mysterious and weird and leave me wondering. You don't need to tell me this extra stuff. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We're 100% on the same page because like when I played that game, the parts I loved about it were the same things I loved about this is such a weird analogy, but the three-part Beatles documentary. Yes, that, not that a Peter weird Jackson analogy. Did. I totally because yeah. because what you're doing is you're you're watching for the subtext and the in-between uh-huh. moments that are happening between characters. Yeah. Nothing is spelled out for you. It is up to you to figure out what is really going on. Or to on. take away and your I, own interpretation of what you think yeah. happened, and it doesn't spell it out at all. Yeah, ideally. Yeah. And I, I love that stuff so much, but it was, it was the combination of what you just said. And then I don't know, like, um, I don't know. I'm still playing. I have really haven't spent a ton of time with it again, about two hours, <laughs> maybe one of like, I have a lot of the same approaches to games. I tend to see what's missing from a game <laughs> than, than what is yeah. there. But what saves me from doing that is I almost never finish a game. So there's always the potential. Right. It could always end to, in a beautiful to... way. And if anything, I right. wish I had stopped, but I couldn't resist the puzzle box once it was presented to me, yeah. even though I hated that I was doing this. I hated the game and myself for making me watch 16 YouTube videos of every single thing that happens in Immortality. And each piece of information I found out, I was like, I wish I didn't know this. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like as though I was putting together a jigsaw puzzle when what I really wanted to be doing was listening to a great album, but I was instead forced to put together a jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I doing this? I just want to listen to the album. It's horrible, Uh man. I don't know why I did it, but I had to. The game made me. (laughs) 
and <laughs> screw you, Sam Barlow. But also maybe that's what you wanted me to do. But also maybe still right. screw you. I don't know. <laughs> I I probably am and largely very happy that it, the game exists. It's it's fascinating. It's taking up a lot of my time and thinking about it. That's a good I thing, wonder. I think. And I think even just yeah. the fact that there's so much stuff in the game where I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I think maybe it might be offensive, but I have no clue what it means. So I guess it's not is kind of like hilarious where I'm like, if I, I don't know what the game is even saying, then I guess it can't <laughs> offend me. But also, yeah, it can't delight me. It can't provoke me because it's just images. It's just yeah. a series of images that interlock. And then that's it. And you're like, well, but what is it funny all about mean? this is nothing <laughs> yeah i will probably it will probably be in my top like five that's games valid era, which is so it won't be so in mine stupid. but i get but, why it would be in someone's because like i would rather a game flame out than be boring I agree. you know what i mean um yeah and and this is definitely like an example of it's either a masterpiece or a total flame out and i'm not sure which yeah yet, you know, i mean for me it's a flame out but i totally agree better flame out than fade away mm -hmm. like i really agree with yeah. that don't give yeah. me a fade away i'm trying to think of a great fade away game I think Cults of the Lamb oh. was like that for me. I didn't beat it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, like, I, was I definitely a great had the time, same problem. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm all right on this one. Loop Hero was a similar yeah, and, thing and it's, for me, too. I felt what you said about um, about immortality, I felt more acutely about Cult of the Lamb in that they were delving into this subject matter and really didn't have a lot to say I about know. it. Though, I think the mechanics do a lot of work yes, on their absolutely. own. So absolutely. But I know exactly that. what you're talking about. It is it is tough yeah. to play a game where it feels like they're introducing so many complicated themes, but then they say nothing about it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. well, you brought it up, man. I was here to talk yeah. about the thing you brought up and you're just kind of like, <laughs> Hollywood. This is it's crazy, this right? Is me think, this is absolutely <laughs> going to be the year where. <laughs> this is absolutely going to be the year where a lot of my top games are going to be games that totally failed, <laughs> like in, in doing what they tried <laughs> to do. But great. I just love the attempt. I love the attempt. Yeah. I mean, this is a game I yeah. actually liked a lot more than those other games. But Norco was another one of these for me. Did you play that? Oh, I want to play oh. that. I, I have it. I need to play more. Honestly, yeah. I feel like I gotta tell you off the air, like what the end of that game is, so that you play it. Oh, interesting. Because okay. that game. Well, I'll tell you this. Am I, I spoiling it if I tell you it gets mad religious? Is that a spoiler? No, you're not. No, that's great. That's a great you, little tip. I, that will make I me like, want to check it out. I yeah. want you to play it because, like, the yeah. the Christians and Catholics that I know who've played it have had such bonkers takes on it that I would have not thought of. And I was like coming yeah. into meetings at Polygon being like. What the hell? This ending came out of nowhere. And like my colleague Ana Diaz was like, if you were raised Catholic, you would have seen it coming a thousand miles away. And I was like, oh, huh. really? Oh. And like that was fascinating to me. So like Norco is another one where I'm like, I'm not sure it lands the plane, but I loved the flight. You know, like we yeah. went to some yeah. crazy locales. <laughs> and then it was kind of a bumpy yeah. landing where I was like, is this where we were supposed to end up? <laughs> this is not where I That's thought we were going to go, but I guess I didn't look at my ticket very closely. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay, so our last question is always the same, and it's a little involved. Yeah. We're going to spin the feelings wheel. This feelings wheel is a wheel with 82 different feelings on them that represent sort of the big seven feelings branched out, right? Mm -hmm. um, Finally, somebody's so, written down all the feelings. I just want to know what they exactly. are. Just tell me. These are all the feelings that you, can feel. That you feel. And I would like to know, uh, what is a game that has made you feel ashamed? Oh boy, there's so many. I mean, that was like the most popular way for a game to make you feel circa 2009. <laughs> oh, that's so true. You know, I, I uh, talked to Walt Williams for this podcast uh -huh. about Spec Ops. Uh, Spec Ops The Line, um, I, you know what? I'm yeah. gonna go Hotline Miami here. That's one of my personal favorites. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I really liked that game and I thought it did a great job of marrying a mechanic that feels so pleasurable with just the worst, mm -hmm. like you're a disgusting apartment. You're an assassin in that game and you yeah. are a piece yeah. of shit and you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing and your yeah. life is bad and you like save this woman and she's like grateful to you, but like is it a really good relationship if the circumstances of it were so horrifying and like is she really there with you because she wants to be that always really haunted me playing that game like 
I saved this random woman I barely know from this like assassination job I was on, hitman job I was on. And like, she lives here now. That's probably the most ashamed I felt playing that game was just like, who's this person? And the storytelling is so minimalist mm. in Hotline Miami that you never mm. get the answer. You never get the sort of sense of, of closure really. And I liked that. I liked that a lot. I was kind of sad there was a sequel. I didn't play it because I was like, this doesn't feel like a game where you do that. But I, I think I gave it maybe right. too much credit because I, I thought I thought like the part at the end where you like kill the facsimile of the game developers who made the game was like the <laughs> deepest shit ever in 2009. I was like, that's so cool. And I like still I mean, kind of high key it's the deep, It was somewhat deep ever. in 2009. I, like, I was totally in the tank for that stuff in 2009. Yep. Spec Ops changed yeah. my life Incredible in game. So I mean, it's still, Yeah, Bioshock is, uh, would you kindly? I mean, yeah. it's another, it's like, man, playing games, like you're doing what you're told. It's complicated, Like man. Milgram yeah. experiment, <laughs> man, like what do you? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's all very like, sophomore year history class in high school to me but it's also it's a it's a brain thing we all got to go through is to kind of yeah. think that's the deepest thing ever and that is a thing that games can make you feel is ashamed but i but at yeah. this point i'm like they gotta go a little further than that <laughs> yeah i think i think subverting a medium is like a key moment of growing up for a medium yeah. like a, for a young yep. medium like the moment people start subverting it is when you know it's like, okay, we're maturing here. This is good. Absolutely. Like, that's a thing. And Hotline Miami in particular had like a mechanic thing that I really thought accomplished this well, which was you have that thrill of going through and killing everyone. And the second you're done, yep. it's just a droning sound and you're walking through all of the blood yep. and guts that you, the, the mess yes. that you've created. It, you're, it doesn't just end the yes. level. It literally rubs your nose. You walk into over the level all the corpses. They do not evaporate yeah. into coins or stardust <laughs> or level up or XP. They are just bodies on the ground. And I think it makes you yeah. walk, right? Like you can't run. And that part, you have to walk over the bodies that, yep, and everything correct. slows down yep. compared to how lightning fast and how precise you feel when you do a level perfectly. And just that lightning, like reload, reload of every feeling you yep. have and the rush of the music. I mean, it rewards you so much for killing and then makes yep. you look at your handiwork and be like, these are people, by the way messed up right it says in a in a low yeah. growl at you and you're like i don't know you made me do this and it's like you yeah kill me kill me the game developers right. <laughs> <laughs> there is something worth doing there which is like making people feel shame yeah. over something that is shameful mm -hmm. um, and that's why i didn't not... kill anyone in real life was because of that game that's the only reason exactly <laughs> i think <laughs> I think it made you feel a little bit ashamed of, of getting the wrong kind of joy out of yeah. a game like that. Maybe. But also, Maybe. like, why um, is that the problem? I mean, this is the question that in, like, 2011 or so we started asking as critics is, like, wait, were we? Why, why, that, yeah. why was it bad for me to think that was fun? You guys made it fun. Like, what are yeah. you saying about me for thinking the, the fun thing you made was fun? Like, why? Right. And, and that's kind of where but we are But who's the you, now. right? Yeah. Develop, there's a lot of developers out there and some of them made that and some of them didn't. Uh -huh. And you know, some people want to subvert mm -hmm. it. I and I know. think that's great. I, I mean, know. I think that's great. And I think we're also still kind of wrestling with that with games now where it's like, well, yes. okay, so what if killing isn't fun? What if it's a freaking slog? And then people are like, well, I don't really want to play that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, okay, what are we going to do then? Are we going to make it's a game that's not about going on a murderous rampage? Because we don't have other ideas. So, yeah. so working that one out. I think what one, one of the things I like, though, about making people feel shame is that like we live in a time where shame is actually not super common. Um, most people tend to be shameless. And I think it can be valuable to introduce people to that emotion as a first mm -hmm. step. And then like the next step would be something like grief, yeah. you know? Or remorse um, or reflection. Remorse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I agree. I, I just think it's, think it's a matter of creating something that makes you feel shame that's directed as opposed to just 
meaningless, you know, where it's like, uh-huh. well, I feel ashamed, but it's over the Skinner box that you made and you put me in. So why do I have yeah. to feel bad about it? It's like, well, maybe, I don't know. I, I we, just, we just played Papers, Please for Triple Click, which is another, it's 2013 mm-hmm. era game. And I think that game also forces you to reckon with your choices in a way that's a lot more clever and reflects how times yeah. changed in that era very yeah. quickly in games and how exciting that felt, you know, to have games be like, okay, yeah. you're gonna reckon with your own choices. I'm just giving them to you, you know? And that's really cool. This has been Video Game Feelings. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out our show more regularly and you're not already subscribed, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of the podcast apps that you like to use. Check out our uh, Twitter also. We'll, We'll let you know every time we have a new episode there so you're never out of the loop. Check us out on Twitter at Vid Game Feelings. Oh, yeah. If you are enjoying this show, please rate, review us. Tell your friends. Tweet about us. I love, like, positive affirmation. It makes me feel good. That's why I play video games. They're always affirming me. Be my video game. (laughs) Affirm me. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Have a good week. See you next week. This is an Area Code podcast.